Awesome. Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show by authors for authors. We read the news so you don't have to. Join our panel of best-selling authors each week as we take a deep dive into the publishing world, both indie and traditional. Author News Weekly. Yeah, whatever. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show, obviously, where we overthink the news so you don't have to. And you can spend your brain power on your writing. With me today, this week, is the illustrious Nick Thacker. Hello. Hello. Back from the dead. Back from the dead. You're not actually dead. You're mostly dead. Some days I wished I was. Oh, I'm glad you... We're, we're good now. Good. You're sounding good. And we got uh, Pippa. Say hi, Pippa. Hi. Say hi, Pippa. <laughs> Say hi, Pippa. Hi. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Jim. Hello. Hello. Yeah. So we got some interesting news this week, I think. And I want this one, the first one, it's about Ingram. So everyone's heard of Ingram. A lot of us distribute some of our print books through Ingram. And I saved this one because I wanted Nick to be that because Nick is our resident advertising guru, right? Oh, no. I know. (laughs) Yeah. You've you've done a lot of ads. You've done a lot of Facebook ads. You've done a lot of Amazon ads. I think you've done a lot of BookBub ads, right? And so now Ingram has announced via Publishers Weekly in this case that they, you can now advertise directly through them. What do you think? What's your take on this, Nick? I'm following this one about as closely as I think we can, which is to say not much. They've announced it. They've been promoting it. Obviously, they want to they want to make money. I commend them for staying trying to do things to stay relevant, but I just don't I haven't tried any. So, I'll start with that. I haven't tried it yet. I don't see I just don't really see where this is going to let me let me put it this way. I don't know that there's a whole lot of places Ingram touches that authors, indie authors specifically, will really want to be. I think it all sounds good, but to me, it sounds Ingram is known to be a printer and they distribute, quote unquote, to bookstores. That doesn't mean that your book will be cover out or even spine out in any bookstore. It means somebody can order it. So this feels like that, like their advertising is going to go to places where librarians or booksellers can go and see your book advertised when they go look for another book. And I just don't see that a whole lot of, I guess a simpler way to say it. And the last thing I'll say is it seems like Ingram isn't the company that has the readership. It's the company that sells to the people that have the readership. So I'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see how well this actually works. I'm going to hold off paying them right now for two reasons. One, I want to let it play out a little bit. And two, I've pulled back on advertising us a couple quarters just because I'm trying to not spend the money. I haven't been able to invest as much time in it, so I haven't done quite as much. All right. How about you two? The most cynical take is that they've watched people pay Amazon for completely untraceable. Did it work? Did it not work? Who can ever say? And they're like, we want to get in on that. People just pay you money and there's no way to be held accountable. This is awesome. If it works, it sounds great. It's going to be much easier if you, if it works the way it's intended than trying to do Kobo's in-house promo and Barnes & Noble's in-house promo and 
manage the Facebook ads that link back to different forms and all of that. Mostly, it makes me think working at Scribe Count really it looks like Ingram was a lot more precarious than anyone thought. Everyone was having problems with Ingram. No one enjoyed working with Ingram. But every time it was like, this person could be a competitor. Oh no, it's Ingram. You can't go up against Ingram. I think Ingram may have realized how precarious they are. And so they're trying to diversify income streams at this point. So you mean Ingram precarious from a like monetary standpoint? Like they're not doing yeah, well? Yeah, from a printing standpoint. If yeah, someone... I mean, I know after digital, when we were doing print early on, we had another provider and it just didn't, they just couldn't handle it. And so we switched to Ingram as our yeah. back-end print provider. They just, they have yeah. staying power, right? They're just not going to go away. They've got deep enough pockets that... Yeah, and to be fair, I don't know if you guys have logged in recently. I've been uploading a lot of my translated copy versions Dutch and Italian right now, and somewhere along the line, like a month or so ago, Ingram Spark, which is what I use right now, has a new reporting tool, which is actually usable. The previous one was just like, it made me want to gouge my eyes out with a spoon. It was so bad. Like you had to go and choose print on demand or some other weird art, weird thing that was like really, and you couldn't, it didn't actually explain anything. And then you would click submit and it was like, oh, if based on these selections, and there's 15 variables on the page, right? So based on these variables, you have to get this report delivered via email. We can't display it on, on the web browser. So you'd go through and click different boxes and be like, what about now? And they'd be like, okay, now we can display it on the web browser. And they still have it there as like, they call it like Ingram reporting classic. And I'm like, I don't, no one's going to, no one wants that. You have Ingram new reporting. <laughs> Let's just stay with that. You should have just killed it. Just bury it. No one needs to know. Oh, cyanide pills. Classic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that's for the people who throw up their, I don't want change. Yeah. I don't yeah, really right. want to look at this. I'm yeah. used to but, the but old one that didn't work. Point is, yeah. Doing things to make themselves relevant again, I think, and to stay relevant. And uh, yeah, I think they're, they're obviously very good at printing books. I've liked the quality that they've had. So we'll see where this goes. Sorry, that was my aside. Jim. So my let me step in here f to represent the average dumb listener. I don't get this. Is this, <laughs> it's an ad maker? It's an ad management platform? What I don't get, maybe Nick can explain this to me. Where do the ads appear and who's the end consumer of this product? Like where do these ads appear? So it's supposed to be for publishers. Okay. specifically and not exclusively, but specifically designed for publishers. But that's where I am too, man. I don't really know exactly where this is going to show up. It just says Ingram's design a system that can help publishers create the types of ads they want, place them where they want and direct them to the audiences they want. Okay, Ingram, I want all the watchers of Cobra Kai and I want to display the ad on the side of a bus in New York City. I don't think you're telling me I can do that. I think there's probably some very specific places it'll go. There goes my know. marketing plan. Yeah, that was the thing that confused me because it seems like what they're doing is they're giving an ad maker platform for you to make ads and then put them on Facebook or Amazon or Twitter. But that doesn't seem – I don't think they could do that because they're talking about this verified reader list. And how can just somebody pay them money to – paying money to access a list doesn't seem like that's within Facebook's terms of service. So how would that no, work? I, I think you're right. I think it's probably a combination of both. I'm seeing like the ad maker – being almost like a Canva type tool. I'm totally guessing here, but it's like somewhere you can design the ad, download it, use it on social media. 
Oh, and also, since you've made this ad, if you click this button or this box and give us 50 bucks, we're going to put it in our verified reader profile that we send out to every bookseller on our, in our database. Similar to how when you make a new print book, it asks you if you want to do the $50 or whatever it costs to, to add to their catalog that they send out. My, that was my assumption because that's really the only thing they have. What have they been doing? They haven't built a social platform. They haven't built a Goodreads type thing. I got um, too excited and assumed that they were going to like send the ad out to like Barnes and Noble and say, here's an ad for your readers. Well, that's not um, how Barnes and Noble buys books and they're not going to change that. It's as good as a press release. Yeah, exactly. That'd be like a press release. Barnes and Noble would be like, okay, cool. Our purchasing department, which is the $20 million. <laughs> no, I mean like when you're browsing on the website, that it's an ad for people who are browsing for certain things. That yeah, it I don't come think, up on their I website. Mean, so I figured I, of I, all I, people, Ingram probably had the connections for that. That's the thing. They would they could probably do that, but they haven't been. And I and I feel like I would know at this point, just with the back end stuff that I've been talking about with Draft to Digital, I think we would have heard some of that kind of whisper speak of, oh, Ingram's reaching out to Kobo and Barnes and Noble and Apple, and they're gonna Rakuten owns the ad platform that runs, I think, Kobo and Apple, and then Barnes and Noble has their own. They haven't changed. Basically, what you were talking about is they would have changed services to Ingram. I don't think that's what's going on. I think the problem there would be, like, Barnes & Noble still wants to print the books that they are, have stocked, not the books that Ingram will be printing. So right. if an ad shows up for Ingram, it's going to be for their print-on-demand stuff. And if it's not, why would Ingram want to do it? If it's going to sell print books that they already have in stock, why would Ingram want to do it? Oh, I figured it could even be for ebooks. It, like it doesn't have to be for something that I mean, it could Ingram be stocks for those yeah. poor as long as we're paying I know that's my biggest e that's my biggest fear is that this is going to lure authors into distributing through their ebooks through Ingram which is like mm. a terrible a terrible cool. experience and at least it was in the past I don't know whether it's any better but you can't pick and choose where it's going to go you have such limited options and it takes forever to change like a price or your book description or anything like that. So I like, like for instance, you can't distribute to everywhere, but Amazon. So like, so if you distribute through Ingram, you'll have two books on Amazon. If you want to, if you still want to go direct to Amazon. So it's not good. Yeah. My, that Pippa's question was, and Jim's let's like, where do these ads show up? Is it like a Google ads manager thing where like it's going to show up? But Google ads manager works because they have Google, right? So no one's, no readers aren't going to the Ingram page to look for anything. So unless there's like reader focused sites out there that are tying into Ingram's ad manager, like where are these books going to show up? I'm reading the press release now on Ingram's website. It does say, so it said, here's a line from it. Over the past several years, Ingram has built a growing audience of readers through websites like bookfinity.com, shelfsavvy.com, and littleinfinity.com, littleinfinite.com. Verified readers are segmented into over 40 audience types that are aligned with book categories with more to come. So this may even be a play to capture some of the like free booksy, bargain booksy, mm -hmm. book bub types of websites. So some of their audiences, which is fine. I think we always need more of these types of things in the indie world. If it's more than that, I'd be interested to hear. But yeah, it does talk about Facebook, Google, and Amazon, but I don't know how that is going to work. We'll see. Little and it could end up infinite. giving you a, you know how you can do a list 
you can upload like your list, a list to Facebook. Where they make use, a lookalike audience a look or whatever. audience. So it could be that, yeah. or you can act, import a specific one as well. So like you can say, I want to advertise to these 10,000 people. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Interesting. Oh, interesting to see where it comes out. I find it's also, for most authors, it's going to be advertising print books because most of them only use Ingram for print. And that's fine if you're doing that on Amazon because the books are the same or right there. So if it's going to... If your ad goes to Amazon, all the reader has to do is click which version of the book they want. It's interesting to see when if somebody clicks on one of these Ingram ads, where does the where do they end up going to buy the book? Yeah. Beat dead horse, beaten to death. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Point belabored. All right. All right. So Nick, I saw I actually saw this next one. I saw you posting about it on, on Facebook as well. It's about the USA Today bestseller list. And, yeah. and it was interesting. So I, I, maybe it should have been called the Kathleen Schmidt bestseller list. Right? <laughs> I love that headline. Yeah, I'm using that for this episode. It's so perfect. <laughs> yeah, because it turns out, okay, so USA Today laid off a bunch of people. She was one of them. And apparently... There must have been something going on because the even before she was laid off, the, the last list never got published. And then it turns out that she is basically the one that does the whole list. So now there's no list, at least until January, or they said the new year. They're going to make an announcement in the new year, but then this was going to be coming back. But rumor has it, it's not. Ah. Having worked for a Fortune 500 company, I'm going to assume that no one else actually knew how to distribute this or how to get the data that she was using. I'll tell you and the data tried... is who paid me the most money to be the highest on the list. And she week. tried to bargain that methodology for her job, didn't get it. And was like, screw you. You could come up with another way to do it yourselves. This is all conjecture, but based on yeah. some truly eye-opening moments and large companies i'm gonna yeah, she, did, she had not documented how she had done this <laughs> surprisingly happens at a lot of companies there are all kinds of people who nobody knows how they do their jobs and if they leave it's just They're people gone. don't write down how they do their jobs at companies that's something companies should do but they forget about with this usa today thing this is super disappointing i think this is one of the few ways i think to breach the divide between self-pub readers and never self-pub readers this was a rare crossover list that could have expanded indie reach significantly but i have a call to action for the author out there listening to this right now about four or five years ago author brian meeks tried to there's a new social media network that came out called vero what exactly but <laughs> but when vero came out it was a big deal right because it was like facebook better blah 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 super smooth and it looked pretty and it was easy to use and i remember brian meeks led this big author drive to take over yeah. vero to make it like the author social media network and it didn't work because he gave up after a couple weeks like he he gave up pushing it after some time but so here author listening here's what we should do let's pick a newspaper and elevate it and make it the indie let's say the new orleans times picayune i want ten thousand indie authors to email the editor the new orleans times picayune and demand they have an indie an indie book bestseller list I think we should host a March Madness-esque 
16 random small town newspapers <laughs> let him duke just, it out <laughs> yep exactly have our readers weigh in on a poll and then once we the I love the park gazette yeah Kansas see i love the idea of a really ridiculous one like a Mano county texas yeah yeah if you're listening whatever the small town is that you grew up in their yeah. their newspaper yeah. I bet because right. of the state oh. of newspapers in general, you could call that small town paper and say, can I be your official fiction partner? And then you can claim that on your book. They would be like, yeah, sure. Give us 50 bucks. And for a lifetime, you will be our official like <laughs> official Does, author. Is there any of Michael Bunker? Because he lives in like Brownsville, Brownwood, Texas, Texas, Brownwood, Brownwood or something yeah. like a tiny little town. And he's like a weekly columnist for the paper. I'm sure he has some ins. No, he like owns the town now. Yeah. He's yeah, got so like a bar. Like a, a bar, library, his own, like his own bourbon and everything. Uh-huh. Yeah, Rolled his own handmade cigars. I know. So I think like he could be that could be it. But I think from a realistic perspective, or from a usable perspective, or a usefulness perspective, something. Uh, pick your adjective. Something that readers would actually read and be able to find, like a because it's great to have something for authors. So I saw somebody posting, oh, hey, why doesn't BookBub make their, like, make the list? That's because readers aren't really looking at BookBub for that kind of thing. So what's in it for them? But if it was be one of those, what do you call it when one person writes it and it gets goes to all the different papers? Syndication. Press release? Syndication. Yeah. So it's like, it'd be like a, like something that's like a syndicated thing, like the book, the bestseller just... list that's syndicated across every little podunk newspaper in the country. I just don't think it matters, man. I just don't know why we care as authors. I guess it's probably, I probably shouldn't speak because I, I have, I'm, I am a 120th of a USA Today bestselling author. And so I got my letters, right? I Okay, cool. If you didn't, then I guess it sucks that you can't now. I feel that, but like, I can guarantee you, I just tweeted this to Kathleen. I guarantee you this wasn't the thing that made my career. Like pretty sure I was equally as successful the day before I had my 120th USA Today bestselling author status. And I and so it's not for authors. I guess it, maybe there's a vanity thing there, but that's literally all it is. It did not make me any money. I didn't it, see a dime. I think there thing. is a demonstrated higher click-through rate if for buying, if it's on the cover. Yeah, yeah I've heard that before. Have you ever seen the actual data? Oh, no, Nick, I have not. That's Nick, I, I never have either. Nick Thacker, Jim Heskett, New Orleans, Times Picayune. <laughs> I have a question for you then. If it doesn't matter, why do you put it on every one of your book covers? Because <sighs> everyone else was, right? Like, I, I didn't want to just have my name. So I, it's a design thing for me. First of all, I don't mm-hmm. like the way that my name just looks by itself. And I didn't we don't either. And author. Nick that's why Thacker. there are four of us on the this design podcast. thing, first of all. But that's just it, right? If it's, I've never run any tests without it except for before I hit that list. And I can't tell you that there was any uptick. I think it would be... The uptick was writing more books and doing better marketing and all of those things. But let me finish my point, because you may have a point there. If there is data that proves it, great. I'm here to tell you that it didn't affect me much at all, if any, not noticeably. My other side of this thing is I just don't think anyone was going to this list as a reader going, what am I going to read next? This one's number 10. Like I just, now that there's no list, they're going to sit around and go, oh, shucks. I don't know what to read now. There's no possible way to find another book. That was the only way I could do it. I don't think the list was a a trailing indicator of popularity, not a leading indicator. So Colleen Hoover wasn't being read by so many people because she hit the list with five different books every week. People read her books for whatever reason. And that's why she hit the list. I just don't think this is a huge loss to anybody really, except maybe Kathleen. Yeah. 
To Nick's point, a lot of back in the day, I hate doing that, but the point of getting a list was a trailing indicator. Like you'd paid your dues, for lack of a better word. You'd been putting out books for a while and you'd gathered enough steam as an author that you hit one of the bestseller lists. Yeah. And we did, as indie authors, try to hack that and get that so that we could put it on our covers and get out there and all of a sudden we're this and everyone must think that we've been writing great books forever. And But yeah, it was a trailing indicator for a long time. It's no, it still is. That's my point. It's all it was ever. It's all it ever was a trailing indicator. It's never been a leading indicator for at least for me and everyone I've talked to. Like I hear that people throw that around at conference. I'll be, oh yeah, there is data to show that like it actually improves click through it. Great, cool. Where is that data? How did you hear that? Nobody actually knows where that originated. <laughs> to my knowledge, we all like spread the bullshit, but no one knows where the bullshit originated. I want to go find the person who sat down and because again, I can't realistically imagine how you would track that. My guess is it came from a survey about what influenced your last book. How would you purchase. know that? As an author, you're just guessing. You're saying, well, hit the list. No, of, of readers. From a reader's perspective. Like from, you picked up this book. Did you see it listed in a magazine? Did you? Right. Reader so habits. A lot of readers claimed that they found that their latest read from you. They said, yeah, maybe. This is my guess. Maybe. Could be. I bet they didn't differentiate like... USA Today versus New York Times versus whatever. And I think most of the time, like if you go into a bookstore and bestseller, like you assume that like the rack of books at like Barnes and Noble, you assume that those come from like, I don't know which list it is. It's just his bestseller list. And we know for a fact that New York Times is 100% curated. It's not based on right. sales at all. So I think if you, but if I, but if I got that survey and then they, and they asked me, I'd say, do you, how did you find books? Well, I may have found a book from a bestseller list, but it was probably from that shelf that had, yeah. and I walked in the store, but it wasn't because it was on the list. It was because those shelves store. get put at the front of the yeah. store and they're right. face out. And, and there's no citation that any of those books were ever on I know. the list. They usually say 20% off. Under the sticker, there's all these little things. And then like, oh, those are all nice. And I skip over most of it, look for the section of the books that I want and around there. And so there is a chance there. So, I, But I think if, unfortunately for Kathleen Schmidt, that if this list goes away, and even if like Barnes & Noble says, we're not going to use the New York Times list anymore, or that goes away, they'll just be like, they can tell which books are the best sellers. Like right. they're the ones that are selling the best. So they'll put those up or they will say, oh, this one could be a bestseller. If we like, no, people haven't seen it, we'll put that one up. And they will say they, they will be an influencer of that as well. But it just like every bookstore is, but Barnes and Noble just on a bigger scale. The urban legend, at least in the romance circles, is that the reason the list started to be curated was that it became, when you did it just by numbers, it was all romance books. And so there was no literature, there was no anything else, and people started to throw fits. So it'll be interesting to see what... Not people, romance, romance authors. Don't call them people. <laughs> oh, man. So I think people throwing fits. <laughs> Trust me. People throwing fits are the people that drink their tea. They're like Brits. Listen to this podcast. We're safe. Mm. We're going to be fine. Yeah. So I'm going to be fine. I'm the one that still shows my foot in my mouth every week, but that's what you're all here for. Yeah. So I, a lot I of you authors. <laughs> no, I was just laughing at that. I was waiting. Well, for I was a making response. that face like a second grade teacher looks at me <laughs> when I was in second grade. 
<laughs> Are you going to make another joke about this, Mr. Thacker? Do you want me to? I've got a few. Like, up Do you have something sleeve. to say? Would you like to come up to the front of the class? <laughs> tell us all your tell us all your little joke tell us all your little joke bottom line it for you i think this usa today <laughs> new york times like whatever we put on our covers i do believe it lends some credibility and legitimacy to authors in the eyes of the average i'll call them layperson reader someone who just isn't involved in the indie world at all or authorship at all but we as authors know like it's a big it's a big wink when we put it on our cover i don't expect any author to look at me any differently because I have USA Today best-selling author on my cover. And I know that, and I'm okay with that. I think that's the that's the approach we should take as authors. But we put it there because if there's any reader that might, God rest, God help them, think that that makes my book better, maybe they'll buy it. Now, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I love money. I'm very willing to sell my soul. I think someone like Dave, Chess, Dave Chesson or Alex from Kalytics could probably be the one would be one of the ones that would be able to tell us whether that because, you know, they can look at these and they can do what's the math on yeah. which ones have this and which ones don't. But even then, it's not an exact science because it's what crazy, it's, yeah. what about the cover? Like people click on covers for a variety of reasons. You don't know. You'd have to do a test cover with that tagline cover without that tagline. Last thing I'd like to say on this subject is that it's people are authors are upset i can't believe that the that the usa today doesn't value these lists what a shame but what they value money so it's very possible that their readership doesn't give a crap about mm -hmm. this list no one's looking at this list either online or in the paper like yeah they, they can don't fill this two two or three full page ads instead of putting a list there and make a ton more money yeah so i mean it's just very possible that people aren't their readership doesn't care. So if you think I love money, these guys love money even more. Yeah. I can tell love... you when I read the USA Today bestseller list, which is when I'm in a doctor's <laughs> office. Yeah. I didn't know they I didn't know they printed it anymore. <laughs> oh no, they'll have it in the back. Is it shoved in the back of Highlights magazine? Is that where you find it? <laughs> by, by Excuse Goofy's me, it is with Where's Waldo? <laughs> yeah. Mm. All right. Anyway. Another dead horse beaten. It is a sad thing because, you know, it was a fun, fun thing while it lasted. And maybe it'll come back. We never know. You don't know. Um, we're getting, it's going to be idiocracy, man. It's going to be like the USA Today Mountain Dew KFC bestseller list. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. He's exactly. not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to put that on my cover. <laughs> yeah, somebody told me they went to let's say a concert at some stadium what is that name what is this name of this you've never been to this con this concert hall i'm like i don't know what what is it originally called they're like it's like it's it was named after a weed company and i'm like but five years ago it probably wasn't named after a weed company it was named after a, like snapple or something like that and the snapple concert hall and like uh, nexium bowl yeah yeah oh yeah oh that got dark real quick mm. no <laughs> <laughs> let's look at something more positive shall we Ooh, I can't wait. Yes. <laughs> if it so bleeds, this, it leads. This next one is we're the, doing positivity for I it. know. And the next one is, I think, is filled with a lot of good news. The making of a six-figure author. But I think it's there's a lot of these six-figure author but type of stuff, but I'm not so... This is the, the annual written word survey results. And written word media does a great job gathering. And it's bigger <clears> this <throat> year. I think they got 1,300 authors this year, which is... And uh, not as good a job interpreting. No. No. Oh, I can't wait to hear what Pippa has to say. Mm, yeah. Why don't we get to the end of the news, Pippa, before you go and opinionate? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Well, Pippa, you want to talk about this? 
Because <laughs> I thought it was good. I thought it was good news, but I thought there was like I always think it's good news that there. If you do these certain things, you tend to have. So I think it's almost like a yeah. So they what happens is they mix really good inference, which is the authors who are at this bracket do this thing and find these things to be the most useful to them. But what they then try to spin is that these are stages that you go like they you literally use the term stage that these are stages that you go through the different things become more or less useful and that those things are the cause of success or not and mm. like none of that is true necessarily all they can give you is the data that they have yes this is more and, like people authors who are in this we use their terminology stage well yeah tend and, to do these things and what i'd like to see is for the people that are the stage like eight authors or whatever it is what was their first best bestseller for lack of a better term what was their first big book and when did it happen when they hit the usa today bestseller. <laughs> Because my guess is that the majority of the people that are making a huge amount of money have a giant mailing list and have for a while. And so what they find to be effective advertising is less important. And it's we're looking at different generations of authors who have come into the indie scene as everything was in flux. Like it was way easier to get into this in 2010. There weren't as many authors. And so a lot of people cemented their status then. And if they didn't burn out, they're still at the top of the lists. That's the sort of thing that doesn't get accounted for here. So do you think it's a time, a time bias? Time a little bit time bias. I want to see the, how large their mailing lists are and when their first really big book was. And just see that spread across the the stages. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're wrong. I have a huge problem with surveys in general, just because they're almost impossible to trust. Not because the people compiling them are untrustworthy. I know Clayton personally is a great guy, so don't hear me say that. But just because survey science is really challenging, there's just so no, many variables is. that we don't even know about, much less the ones we do know about that we can't attribute. There's plenty of really good control. stuff that can be gotten from these are the data we're seeing that's great it's just when we try to reach for this is what it means that yeah so i guess my point is like what i'm seeing on here is that like early on it seems like newsletter swaps are helpful if you're in stage two and three those are listed as good things to do that makes sense because typically that author who's making 250 to to a thousand a month doesn't have as big of a mailing list and so newsletter swaps are going to be great because there's more people to swap with just by definition at that level. But every single one of these categories says BookBub deals. Literally every single one of them has BookBub deals listed as a top three marketing tactic. So I would read this and say, okay, well, if I'm getting started, that's probably always going to be a smart strategy. I wonder if there's a book written about how to get a BookBub deal, hinting. <laughs> I'll link to that in the show notes, everybody. But I, that would be a strategy that I'd look at and say, okay, maybe as I get a little bit bigger, the book starts selling more, the newsletter swaps become less important. This is indicative of my own career. I don't do as many newsletter swaps simply because there's just not enough people to swap with that have a list my size. 
and I can segment and do all that stuff. And then it's more work. And ultimately at the end of the day, I've got enough books coming out on my own that it has to be a, it has to be a VIP that I'm swapping with basically. So I don't do them as much. So that's why that kind of thing would fall off the list. So I'm seeing it, see what you're, where you're coming from, but I do think we can glean some information from this. That's helpful. I think we can, again, it's looking at what the data actually say and remembering that the data are an approximation. I took the survey. I don't remember what the questions were. Like, I don't remember all of the questions. Did they ask newsletter stuff? Like, I wish they would ask more questions and publish the raw data so we could look at our own, make our own decisions. That would be really interesting to be able to see the data anonymized and just be like, all right, let's see what people come up with. Didn't data guy do that for a few years? Way back. Probably you know, before he took with, everyone's info. With putting that together. I remember doing that a couple of times. And yeah. that one actually has a ton of data. And he was really, he was doing what survey publications are supposed to do, which is here's the raw data, but then here's my inference from it. And, yep. the, my, and then the implications I believe you can take from it. Yeah. And he did a really good job putting that together. I think written word media, ultimately, they're doing a great job. I think it's fine. But ultimately they're they're a company they want to make money so they put this out there in the hopes that you'll be like well, let me see what kind of marketing they offer oh it turns out they own free booksy bargain booksy <laughs> red feather romance nothing against that it's that's how the world works but yeah i would also like to go back in time and do a survey where you're tracking where you get people to try to get people to, to track year after year so like you can see how does their mailing list here grow. is your login and pin, where are you now? Yeah. Between like, this stage and this stage, you're going to go postal and want to kill everybody. But then you'll be fine if you just work through it. That in the past right? 20 days, how many have you spent feeling hopeless? Or yeah. but, How many new characters? But I'd also like to book? see, like, how do they, they don't show, I believe it asked, like, how long have you been publishing? But I don't see that in the in, the, in there. I don't see it in stage six. Most of them have been publishing this amount of time. So... Yeah, so unfortunate. Jim? I don't have anything new to add on this. Okay. It's all been covered. Okay. Just a poop. <laughs> if you had a condenser microphone instead of a. De- <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend it. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. This has been, I think we have some good stuff. We had some great stuff. We had to, we have so little time, so much news this week. So we have some great stuff coming up next week. And, but we'd love to hear, find us on social media. You know, Nick's been sharing some of this stuff already and we'd love to get your intake and your intake. That's different. That's back going back to the story. Your take. Thank, (laughs) Thank you, Pippa. Thank you, Pippa. I really appreciate that. Don't do that again. All right, everybody, let's all go around the room and sign out. Tell us, tell everybody where they can find you online. You're first. Oh, God. I'm Pippa. I write as Moira Katzen and Natalie Gray, and you can find me at IndieGhostwriting.com. Jim. I'm Jim Heskett from the reporter for the New Orleans Times-Picayune. You can find me at (laughs) NOLA.com. And I'm Nick Thacker of the internet, which is where you can find me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm Roland Denzel, indestructibleauthor.com. And you can find me the same place, Nick. You can find Nick too. So thank you, everybody. Thanks for Author News. Join us for Author News Weekly this week. And we'll be back to help you overthink the news next week as well. Have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>